Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. Today we're beginning a brand new series talking about the relationship between parent and child. And really this applies to all of us because pretty much all of us have had some amount of influence in a child's life, or certainly we've all been children. And how important it is that we have the correct heart and mind when it comes to parenting. So I hope you'll stick around to learn what is the foundational starting point for a healthy relationship. All right, well, this is going to be a fun, interesting, uh, and I think in some ways challenging um, series as we especially get into over the next couple of weeks the more practical parts of this. Um, and uh, I, in fact, I just, I'm excited for this series. I think it's going to be really fun, but I'm also excited for what we have upcoming. Um, our next series is called Bad Blood. And it's all about um, healing past wounds, relational wounds. Uh, we're going to talk about how to grow your faith. We're going to talk about learning from past mistakes. We're going to talk about love, sex, and marriage. We're going to talk about breaking habits. Uh, really, you cannot miss uh, a single Sunday between now and the end of the year. That's the point, okay? So I hope, I hope you'll, you'll be here for that. Um, today, though, um, we're going to focus, and really for the next five weeks, um, underneath everything that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be focusing on uh, a specific relationship. And that relationship is probably nothing new to any of you. It is the relationship that sits between a parent and a child. The relationship that sits between a parent and a child. Oh, it looked like it squeezed my words together. Oh, well. Anyways, you'll, you'll work around it. Um, now, I realize for some of you, like right off the bat, when I say, hey, we're going to talk about a parenting series, you think to yourself, well, is this relevant to me? Because maybe you're an empty nester, kids are gone. For us to go back and talk about parenting feels a little bit like we're digging up the past a little bit. But I promise you that there will be things in here for you. And there's no, never too late of a time to learn. Maybe for you, you wanted kids, but it is just not in the cards for whatever reason. And so for us to talk about um, parenting children and that relationship for the next five weeks kind of feels like uh, a bit of a burden. And I hope it will not be a burden. I hope that you will realize that there are a lot of things that you can learn too, to not only apply to your life, but apply to the moments when you get to influence children and parents and other people, friends hopefully, um, who are parenting, because uh, that is really important and you do have a voice in that. Uh, and maybe for some of you, parenting is years off, something you're planning for, but not something that's immediately in your future. And I think it is never too late to plan for one of the biggest parts of our lives, the most impactful parts, the most unique parts of our lives. Because regardless of where you are in the spectrum, I think we can all recognize that it is not easy to talk about this relationship. It is not simple to think about the relationship between parent and child and all the things that go into that because your past, your present, and probably your future tells you that this is a challenging, delicate, important, but unique thing that you get to engage with. with. And for, for fact, for some of you, um, I think um, your maybe hesitancy or reluctance perhaps to the series comes from the fact that a lot of your experiences in the past and the present and maybe the future feel a bit more like a mess than a success. And so to talk about this and to dig into this may not feel like a great time, but I promise you it is so important and will be so beneficial, even though it is really complex. Now, I want to also acknowledge the fact, and if you are a Christian here today, this should be no surprise to you, that relationships, and this relationship in particular, is complicated. And if you're a Christian, this should be no surprise because, as a Christian, you follow Jesus. 
And Jesus' father was God, creator of the universe. And his mom was his biological mom through the Holy Spirit, which is kind of strange. I mean, imagine that conversation as a teenager. And then your dad's not really your dad, but he's there, but it's really God who's your dad, and it's just kind of crazy. And for some of you, actually, you may find that to be a bit of a relief, because if God's family is that crazy, then maybe yours isn't so bad, right? Okay, one of you felt better about that. Okay, (laughs) anyways, um, it is complicated. So here's my disclaimer before we jump into today's material, is that one, I am not a marriage and family therapist. I'm not. I'm not licensed to do that, okay? But I do have a list of marriage and family therapists, so if any of this brings some stuff up and you think, hey, maybe it'd be good to talk to somebody, I think that is a great idea, and I would be happy to give you that list of people to talk about. And the other thing I want to disclaim is that you may be um, tempted to uh, walk away from this series or avoid this series series because of the nature of what we're talking about, because it is really personal, and it can bring up a lot of things in your life. And I just hope that before you avoid or before you walk away from this series, or hopefully not the church, but possibly the church, that you would, before you walk, we'd talk. Not because I want to change your mind or argue a perspective. I just want to understand so that we can both grow, because maybe I could say something better. Um, uh, Lord knows that I could sometimes, but um, <laughs> I would like to at least have the opportunity for us to grow. I think that's, that's really important. Now, this, um, this, this um, relationship begins at the top with the parenting role, okay? Now, some of you, this looks really familiar because you're very much in this, or this has looked very familiar to you, but I want to broaden this role. I want to broaden the parenting role because because the parenting role really is a broad thing. In fact, science and research suggests that not only is the parent themselves so important, but it's the people who speak into the lives of a child who are really important through their lives. Because for some of you, I mean, you're a teacher, You're with these children for eight hours a day through a whole year of your life. You are influencing people. Maybe you are a close friend. You're a nanny. You're an aunt. You're an uncle. You have some relationship to a child, or at some point in your life, you're influencing a child. In that way, you are taking on the mantle of being a parent, because parenting truly can go beyond just biology. So if you're on this side of the relationship, I need you, at least for this series, to broaden that understanding because there are things that you can learn and take away and impact people. And I think we can all agree that we want to do well. We want parents to do well in parenting. So if we all could be collectively just better at parenting or whatever role we take within that parenting sphere, that would be better for us all. So I hope that you would kind of broaden that for the rest of the series. Now, I'm not going to live out the, leave out the kids by any means. After all, this series is called How to Win as Parents and with your parents. And I realize for some of you who don't really have parenting in, in the um, future right now, uh, you may think to yourself um, during the series that I talk a lot more about parenting than I do about your perspective. But I hope that you um, would recognize that the reason that I'm doing that is my prayer for you is to both understand and empathize better with your parents. Because we are not perfect people. And that perhaps by understanding the parenting role, you will also understand why maybe some things in your life between your relationship with your parents didn't go well is because of such and such a reason that we'll talk about. But that also you will be able to learn things to help others 
as well. Now, when we go through this relationship, back to the relationship part, we're going to look at this purely from a Christian, from a follower of Jesus perspective. Because, again, like I said, I'm not an expert. I don't have years and years of great parenting success under my belt and honestly never will. I will never be able to stand up here and say, wow, I'm just an excellent parent. But what I can speak to is what God says and what Jesus taught when it comes to this very, very important relationship. This, so th- that's the perspective I'm going I'm to focus on. So if you're not a Christian here today and you think to yourself, well, I'm not sure I agree with you, Taylor. Great. You don't have to. See, the Christians, on the other hand, they have to actually really critically think about what I'm saying and actually maybe even do it. But for everybody else, you get to pick and choose. But here's the thing. Truth is still truth, regardless of where it comes from. Now, we just as Christians believe truth comes from Jesus and God, okay, but that may not be where you are, but truth is truth, and so I think there are still helpful things in here even if you're not a Christian. Okay, now with all that said, I'm going to introduce to us today the key kind of success factor, the key kind of foundational factor that's going to set up the remaining four weeks of this series when it comes to this thing right there, the relationship. And I'm going to do that by telling you a story, um, and, and it's a story I'm pretty sure that I've shared at least in part before, but I think it's so important and, and will probably communicate better in story form that, that I thought I'd share that. And, and the story is of um, my uh, first few hours as a parent myself. And so to really get your heart all warm and fuzzy, I thought I'd bring a baby picture of Elia. There you go. I don't know why it's on the side. What's Okay, thank you. Um, Yes, okay, so there's Elia. All right, so less than two days into her existence, we are still in the hospital, all right? And it is late at night. I don't know what hour because, as you parents know, that just doesn't matter at some point, okay? And I'm sitting in the rocking chair just kind of contemplating what has happened over the last four or, uh, 48 hours or so. And, and I'm, um, as some people do, I'm talking to God, especially pastors. We tend to do that a lot. I think all of us should, but th- that's just a me thing, I guess, sometimes. So anyways, I'm talking to God, and I'm having a conversation with God because as I look at this tiny, tiny human being sitting in this box-like thing on wheels that, you, that they, they put newborns in, okay, right there, looking all cute and cuddly, I just have this, this question that I can't quite reconcile because I'm just maybe so moved by what I'm looking at in that little box, this tiny human being. And that question that I can't quite get out of my mind is this. What did I do, what did I do to earn, to receive, to get, to whatever word you would fill in there, this child into my care? What did I do to get this child into my care? To which some of you smart Alex (laughs) want to say, well, Taylor, when a mommy and a daddy love each other. Okay, but at least this is what I thought in my head, all right? You don't have to agree with this, but this is just what I thought. I thought to myself, um, what mommies and daddies do when they love each other, okay, To me, that is just a really terrible bar to meet to become a parent, okay? Like, that's a really low standard to become 
apparent, especially for guys. Because guys have been thinking about this thing since middle school, okay? They don't really think what happens after the fact. They just think about it until that time when it actually happens, and they don't really plan for the consequences of that so much, okay? And, and so it's not really surprising. But when I'm sitting there thinking about this, I'm like, that, that's not a great standard. Because literally, I have really done almost nothing. I mean, think about this. I did not personally knit together billions and billions of cells to make this small human sitting in a box, to make these hands that one day I would hold, to make these eyes that would one day watch me and learn from me, these legs that would one day walk through our living room, one day walk into their college dorm, or better walk into their college dorm, <coughs> or, or legs that would one day walk around the world. I mean, really, what did I do? And even for the moms, because granted, moms, you do a lot more than the guys do by like far, right? But 99% of the incredible biological, chemical things that are happening to, to bring this human being into existence are out of our control. Yet, yet, I sit there and I was thinking to myself, we still say, this is my child. And I, and I just couldn't help by thinking, that's a little bold, isn't it? Like, this is mine? I mean, what did I do? This is not like a car, right? A car, what, what do you do to get a car? Well, you work to earn money, to buy a car, and then it's your car. But this is not a car, this is a person. Very dependent for a few years, yes, but eventually will not be dependent. My conclusion, you don't have to agree, but my conclusion was I've done pretty much nothing. I've done pretty much nothing. This is Elia. This is her life, not, not my life. She has a future. I get to be in her future for a time, but not forever. She has experiences, but they're not my experiences. They're her experiences. And in my heart, my heart began to shift as I had this conversation with God, that my perspective needed to change a little bit. That any time I was in a parent role or I was influencing, that I wouldn't think to myself, gosh, I just deserve this. This is my child. I'm going to, you know, parent how I want, you know, this, this, and that, and kind of get all high and mighty. I'm going to think more in terms of this is a gift. This is an opportunity that I have. I concluded that I wanted to look at parenting more like I was a caretaker for, I was a steward of, I was a servant of, I was a guide to another human being's existence not my own. Now that just happens to have a name, and in my case, that name, that title is called Father. That, call, that title's called Father. To explain this a bit more, I want to turn to um, the king of uh, Israel um, about 3,000 years ago. His name was King Solomon. He was considered one of the wisest people that ever lived, and he said this about children. He said, children are a heritage. Now, this is a very strange word. We generally don't use it in this context. So, essentially what he's saying, and this is also in song form, by the way. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'm just saying it's in song form, so it's a little bit verbagely weird. But uh, children are a heritage. In other words, children are like inheritance. They're, they're a possession of someone else that we just have the time to steward. And, and who, who is that heritage from? 
It's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. And this is the reason why, as I was talking to God, that I eventually found this verse later, not in the moment. I figured out that this is how you got to think in some terms about God. The reason I don't feel like this is like my child, like I just deserve this child or something, is because I don't. It's from the Lord. And I think this, this idea begins to bring into parenting a little bit of like a drop of humility. A drop of, in some cases, help and freedom to understand it's not all you. Never meant to be all you. Because it's from someone else. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from who? Him. From, from God. From God. And here, here's the interesting thing that, that's happening with this word right here, reward. And, and some of you know this, but the Old Testament is written in ancient Hebrew, and then we read translations. For example, we're reading from the NIV translation of the ancient Hebrew. But a lot of times, Hebrew words don't exactly one-to-one ratio to English words. 3,000-year-old language to modern-day language just doesn't always have exact compatibility. And so I thought I should probably change this to the Hebrew word for you to better understand. And the weird thing about Hebrew is you actually have to read it from left to right. I got a Hebrew book when I was in Israel, a little kid's book for Elia and Stephanie pulled it out and was like, how do you read this thing? And I said, you got to read it from back to front. That's the right way in Israel. Fun fact for you. Okay, anyways, so this word right here, and my Hebrew is really, really bad, okay? So I'm going to pronounce it, but then you can, I don't know, maybe do it better. It, it's sachra. So there's a in there, and then there's a in there, okay? Okay, that word right there, okay. That means something a little bit more profound than reward. It means something of worth given to, given to, not to like an owner of, not to a possessor of, given to a servant. This is practically a quote from one of my books that helped translate, translate ancient Hebrew. Something of worth given to a servant, a servant. Or some other words that maybe we could put, put to that is parenting is really about being a heart or taking on the heart of a servant or a steward, or a guide. I'm going to use guide for the rest of this message because I think that maybe translates it even better in English. Or a shepherd. That parenting is about the heart of a servant. Heart of a servant. Now, I realize, don't get me wrong, some of you are thinking to yourself right now, Taylor, if I parented like a guide, like we were on a tour, like we're going to see the sights or something, I'm just telling you, if you knew my kids— we would have lost half of them before the first sight, okay? They're wild. So I don't think I could parent like that. Or some of you are like, Taylor, you know, shepherd, that's cool. That's a really warm image. You know, the picture of Jesus the shepherd, that's so great and it makes you feel good. But, but that assumes that they're like sheep. My kids are not like sheep. My kids are more like wolves. <laughs> they howl and they bite. And some of you, I understand, you have teenagers, okay? So you're thinking more like teenagers are like a combination, like part owl, okay, because they're up all night, right? They're night owls, okay? And cross with like a turtle because anytime you try to relationally connect with them, they just go in their shell, turtle, turtle, okay? Cross with like, I don't know if robot human thing are a thing now, but like they're on their phone so much, they're practically crossed with their phone. So it's like an owl turtle phone, okay? Like all in one, that's a teenager. And so Taylor, I'm just going to be honest with you. The idea of a shepherd is just not quite sufficient enough. And I get that. 
And next week, we're going to get really practical. And I'm going to really help you understand this heart of a servant or a guide and how the role of a guide plays out through the life of a child and what that looks like. But here's the other thing. I want to give you an example today, and that's what we're going to do here in just a second. I'm going to give you an example of what good guidance or being a good guide in someone's life looks like. So you know it's not just all soft, fluffy cuddles. Because I want, I want you to at least consider, to, to think about, that maybe when it comes to parenting, you think in terms of God, all-powerful creator of the universe, God, has given you one of the most precious gifts you could ever have, the opportunity to influence another human being in their entire life. And that you would enter into that relationship with the heart of caring well for that person. Engaging well with that person. Guiding well that person. Because Solomon wants to bring to our attention a tendency, I think, that we have sometimes as parents, and that is to think that in terms of parenting, like an owner. An owner. And owners are concerned with things that guides are not. Owners are concerned with looking good. Owners are concerned with not being embarrassed. Owners are are concerned with their kids making their life better. I'll give you an example. Um, The other day, like two weeks ago, uh, Ellie and I were at a music class, okay? And Ellie has just discovered belly buttons and how interesting and exciting they are. And so in music class, okay, we're having a great time, and she's getting along really good with this little bit older girl and giving her hugs, and it was also adorable, okay? And then she goes up to the little girl at one point in the music class, pulls up her dress, and then points at her belly button and, like, makes an exclamation, like, everybody, like, she's got one too, (laughs) right? What is dad feeling like in this moment? Yeah, I heard it up in the front row, feeling a little embarrassed, Right? feeling a little uncomfortable in that moment. Who was that about? Who was that moment becoming about? Yeah, it was becoming about me. You all picked up on that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That, that I was worried about representing me and, and, and what I wanted in my family, or dare I say my brand. Because after all, I'm a pastor, Right? And pastor's kids are supposed to be the most well-behaved people ever or something like that along those lines, right? They're supposed to fit a brand. Or if you are a person of any amount of influence in other people's lives, you feel like you have to like, hit a different standard. And there is some truth to that. But maybe not so much when it comes to that incredible, incredible relationship between parent and child. See, owners begin to look at parenting as investing in our kids so that they'll pay dividends mainly to us. They'll pay dividends mainly to us. How much, let's just be honest with yourself, how much of your identity, how much of your parents' identity came from your behavior, your success, and your well-being? From your trophies, your report cards, and your behaviors. Not that those things aren't things that we should be considerate of, but how much did that influence the person, the parent, and how they felt their well-being and their identity versus what a guide would do. A guide who would leverage, leverage their love, their patience, their kindness, the love of God to say, you know what? 
It is developmentally appropriate for you to be pointing out belly buttons. It's a little uncomfortable maybe for other people, but I understand why you did that, and I'm really cool with it. I'm really cool. Maybe I'll say apology so the other people don't feel bad, but, but it's not going to compromise me. That we have to be really honest with ourselves. What category sometimes we tend to fall into? Are we owners where we're stressed about every task and everything that our kids do and making sure that our running of the family, we got to run our family, is going well? We get all the things done. We get all the experiences. Like we get all the boxes checked. Yep, they've seen this. They've done this. They got this. They got this. They got this. They're this award winner. This, my kid's an honor student. I mean, you can put that bumper sticker on. Feel bad if you did and I just made fun of you. I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to. But, um, but or, or do you feed them emotionally? Guides. Tasks, feed them emotionally. Listen, I have never had a parent come up to me and say, you know what, Taylor, we got a big problem. We just, as a family, we just spend, uh, we spend too much time together. Quality, I mean, we talk about deep things. We just have a real depth to our relationships as, as, as parents and children. We're growing together. We're talking all the time. We've got to fix it. Never had it happen once. Too busy, too much going on, stressed out. I'm busy, 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 busy running our family. I'm just being honest. For, especially if you're a professional white-collar, blue-collar person, you're in the working world, I'm just asking yourself, how much does your family resemble your workplace versus a family? Follow-up question. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? The easiest option, this one. It's transactional, it's measurable, it's metrics, it's easy, dividends, returns, values, that kind of stuff. This, harder. Why? Relationship. Consider your family of origin. Where did your family of origin fall into that? Owners or guides? Would you have wished it looked differently? Could it have looked better had this been swapped around? I want to give you an example of what a really good guide looks like, and, and this is going to be a real shocker for you, but we're actually going to look at Jesus because we just think Jesus is a pretty good guide, a pretty good teacher when it comes to life. And Jesus is going to model this and teach this in one moment. Jesus who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Last week, we left off with Jesus after the resurrection. Easter was last Sunday. Shocker. That was crazy. That was just like last week, okay? Jesus rose from the dead, okay? His di disciples didn't believe that he, was, uh, he rose from the dead until they saw him, and then they freaked out, and they're like, wow, he really did rise from the dead because they saw him. And one of the times that they saw him happened, and I brought a map along so you can understand where this happened, right up here um, on, the, on the lake uh, of Galilee, or often called the Sea of Galilee, right here, okay? And, and Jesus' disciples, a, a couple of them, specifically Peter and Thomas, doubting Thomas, and John, the author of the little passage of Scripture we're going to read today, um, were in a boat fishing because they had gone home from Jerusalem. They'd seen Jesus. They're back home working their part-time gig at night, doing some fishing, okay? They put down the nets at night. They wake up in the morning and pull them up, okay? And Jesus shows up to see them while they're out fishing. 
And I brought a picture along so you can kind of picture this, imagine this in your mind. Here's the beach, this is rocks, this is the Sea of Galilee, no, and it literally is. So you can imagine right out here, there is the boat, and Paul, or Peter, excuse me, and John and Thomas, they're sitting on the boat. Jesus is on the beach, and Jesus calls out to them. And Peter absolutely freaks out, jumps out of the boat, starts swimming to shore. The other guys are like, wow, thanks for leaving us, Peter. We'll get the fish on. Don't worry about it. We got this, buddy. So they take the fish on. They start following him to shore. And when they landed, John says, chapter 21, when they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals. There was fish on it and some bread. And this is an easy, easy verse to skip. But my friends, the only other time the only other time in the book of John that coals are mentioned other than this right here is when Peter is warming his hands above a fire watching Jesus get condemned. And, and a girl sitting next to him turns to him and says, do you know him? He said, no. In Jesus' greatest time of need, Peter denies knowing him. Not just once, three times. So Peter gets to the shore. Peter sees Jesus and a coal fire. What do you think starts to flash through Peter's mind? You know the power of smell, right, and how it can bring back memories? I think it brought some memories back for Peter. And this is where, listen, even if you don't have kids, you can learn a whole lot from this story. You can go home and read the whole thing um, after service today, okay? But uh, Peter, okay, or excuse me, Jesus, if Jesus plays the role of an owner, what would he have done in this moment? Peter comes up on shore, Jesus would have been like, Peter, pack your bags, buddy. You're fired. Why? Because in my moment of need, you walked out. You left. You said, good luck, bye-bye, adios. That's what an owner would do. I'm done. Our relationship is going to look completely different going forward. What would Jesus do? What would a guide do, a servant do? He doesn't compromise the relationship. He redeems the relationship. Story goes on. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs? What are you talking about? Feed my lambs. Continues, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. What's he calling Peter to do? To be a shepherd, to be a guide, to be a servant. Then the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me. Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three. How many times did Jesus ask Peter to say that he really did love Jesus? Three. What's Jesus trying to do? He buys Peter breakfast, sits him down and says, let's have a talk. Jesus is trying to repair to teach Peter about relationship and redeem the relationship. Peter, or J Jesus is essentially going to our diagram that's a little messed up between parent, relationship, and child, okay? And he's going into there and saying, 
I'm going to highlight the truth that, listen, you messed up. You did. Peter, you messed up. You know it. I know it. You messed up. But I am going to give you grace in the midst of your mess up because I love you. And now I'm going to I'm going to essentially flip seats with you. Peter, you've been in the child seat, and I've been your parent, essentially, spiritually. I've been teaching you and growing you, okay? I want you to be in the parent seat. Well, yeah, but Jesus, I messed up. I know, Peter, but I love you, and I want to redeem the relationship through putting you in the driver's seat so you can learn. What a great life idea that we would just have our children and say, you know what? This isn't how life works. We're going to talk about this a lot next week when we talk about discipline. This isn't how life works. So I'm going to show you and going to give you examples so you can experience it for yourself and learn and grow while I'm there with you. While I'm there with you. This is, this is called parenting. This is called anytime you have influence in someone else's lives, parenting. Because, listen, Peter had no experience. Peter messed up a lot. Jesus puts him in charge. Parenting parenting. Jesus did not call people because they were able. He called them to become able. Women at the well, Zacchaeus, 12 disciples. This is parenting. This is stewarding a gift that you have been given. Great guides, here's the thing, here's the thing. Great guides have a heart for relationship. Not just their relationship with their child, but for their child's relationship with other people and their child's relationship with their heavenly Father where they have come from. That's how God designed it. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. I just ask you to consider people in your life whom you think are really great, who are just fine people, who are good, wholesome people that you like being around, you want your kids to be around them, those kinds of good people, trustworthy people. I bet if you go and ask them and you say, hey, why do you think, I just, first I want to just compliment you because you're just a great person. How do you think you got here? Were there people in your life that influenced you in a positive way? And I bet, it may not even be their parents, right? Because it doesn't have to be biological. I bet they could list off great guides in their life that have made a life-changing difference and have helped them to become the person that they are today. They won't sit there and they won't say, listen, the reason I'm just a great person is in fifth grade, I won my wrestling tournament and it just changed my life. They won't say, hey, I was the star of my fall play, just transforming, understood how to be kind and how to be generous and how to be a great person. No. It wasn't even that they got into a great school or their education was such and such. No, no, no. They're a great person. They have great relationships because great guides who had a heart for relationship. And you say, Taylor, well then how do I know how to be a great guide? Well, one, come to the rest of this series. And two, that you reference Jesus. Because this is how Jesus ends the conversation with Peter. He says to Peter, follow me. I want you to look to the guide and then I want you to be the guide. I want you to look to me, Jesus, as your guide and then I want you to be the guide. And I guarantee you, I promise you, the result will be love, joy, peace, goodness, forgiveness, mercy, kindness, self-control. Hello, parents. That would be so awesome, wouldn't it? This is life following Jesus. That's a promise. That's a promise. 